Now, you have your Bible, stand with me and turn to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Those in my Sunday school class already know that I'm going to be preaching uh, on this one, the, verse 29. Uh-huh. You can. Just unspoken. Okay. Okay. All right. Unspoken request. All right. Hebrews, the ninth, the twelfth chapter, ninth, twenty-ninth verse says, For our God is a consuming fire. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the day. Thank you for the blessings of it. Thank you for the time we've had together thus far, Lord. Thank you for the morning service. Good liberty to preach. Lord, I just pray that uh, things will get better with my eyes, that, that I won't have to constantly trying to be sure I'm seeing the right thing. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll see fit if you'll take care of us. We know you don't have to, Lord. We know we don't deserve it. But, Lord, we ask with all the uh, humbleness and honor to you that we can that you take care of us. Thank you, Lord, for uh, those you sent out today, Lord. We we always blessed to be able to worship with them, always blessed to see them, Lord. We're thankful for those that visit with us this morning. Lord, we pray that you'll bless them. Thank you for everything, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. We're going to talk about the nature and the character of God. <clears throat> the nature and the character of God. There are many scriptures which describe who and what God is in character. Scriptures declare God is spirit. John 4 verse 24. It's a, that's, that's a good one to learn. That's a good one to understand because, you know, people act like, you know, that people see God. No one sees God. <clears throat> He's a spirit. That's just like no one sees the demons because they're spirits. Um, <clears throat> no one sees angels because God sometimes, God incarnates them into man, and and they do his work for him while they're here on earth. But God is spirit, John 4 and verse 24. Herein is seen his indivisibility and his greatness. You know, that God is what he is, and no one can do anything about it. You You can't. You can't, you can't battle with spirits. You know, uh, anybody that knows, uh, as long as you can see your enemy, you can battle him. But if you don't see your enemy, then you're not able to battle him. So no one, no one can battle God. When we talk about his nature, we're going to talk about it as a consuming fire. In just a moment, you know, you can't battle back with God. You have to trust and you have to take what God how what God is, what God has given you. You gotta be content with it. You can't go and say, God, you cheated me, you did something better for somebody else. 
than you did me. <clears throat> so he is, uh, he's great in that. Also, God is love. First John 4 and verse 8. Herein is seen his unchangeable goodness. God is love and he's, he's, he's all love. God, God is as love as he'll ever be. God will never be any better love and he'll never be any worse love. As I've said this many times before, just remember this. God don't love you any, any more now than he loves you in eternity. He don't love you any less now than he loves you in eternity. You'll say, well, I haven't, I haven't been the best of, uh, of one of his children, but he still loves you just as much as he always loved you. God's love never changed. It's unchangeable. It's always the same. It's, it's been the same, always will be the same. And if you want to rack your mind and, and, and destroy your brain while you start thinking about how much love God was even out in eternity and, uh, why God loved us, why He cared for us, why He, He ordained and, 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 and worked everything out for us just exactly the way we live our lives. God worked all of that out. And, and we do exactly what God would have us do. And I've, I've heard, I've heard the statement made one time at a Bible conference talking about sinners. And, and the preacher made this statement. Sinners do exactly what they're supposed to do. They sin. And, and, and that's why we sometimes get tied up into it because we are still sinners. But you have to understand, as I said one time many, many years ago, I said, you know, that I sin all I want to. Then I followed that up with God changed my want to her. And, and, you know, yeah, we do sin all we want to now, but the, the problem is we don't want to sin like we used to. We hate sin. We hate it when it comes to our lives. We hate it when we commit it, and we hate it when we have to go to God and admit that we're sinners and, and have to go to Him and confess our sins to Him. God is light. God is light, First John 1 and verse 5. He is light because he is love. God is light because he's love. God is, God, if you want something illuminated, God can illuminate it. If you want to understand more scripture, God can light it up for you. Cause he is light. Uh, he is, and, and he loves you and he gives you those things that he would have you to have. And, and he lights those things up for you. Have you ever, uh, just been reading the word of God and all of a sudden, you know, you see something in there you never saw before? You never saw it. I, did, I do it now. I've studied the scriptures for 53 years. And uh, I see things in there now that I just never did see before. How come I didn't see that before? Because uh, I've read it many times. I've been over things many times. How come, how come I hadn't read it before? Well, God is light. He lights everything up. He lights away. He, he, is, um, uh, he is that light that someday... They say, and when I say they, I don't know who they are, but they say, you know, that when a person is dying, they see that light. Now, I know my dad did. I know my dad said when he was on his deathbed, my dad said, if I can just get to that light, he said, I'll be all right. And he saw a light. And and he said, if I can get to that light, I'll be okay. Well, God is light. 
In him is no darkness. In him is no uncertainty. And certainty in him is not unrighteousness. And then lastly, God is a consuming fire. We just read it, Hebrews uh, 12 and verse 29. God is a consuming fire. But what do you suppose he means by that? That's what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes, that God is a consuming fire. The, the solemn and dreadful nature of God is overlooked a lot of times. Let me say that again. The solemn and dreadful nature of God, or this solemn and dreadful nature of God, is overlooked. You know, pe- people don't see God as consuming anything. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, we're going to see in just a little while that God does set things on fire, but he don't consume them. And, and someday, someday, if you're not saved, you're going to have a body that will be on fire, but it won't be consumed. I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine. You know, every time I think about that, I think about, Lord, there's people right now that's in hell right now suffering. And um, we like to think that's not so, but it is so. You know, there's people in hell right now suffering, and um, they, they, are, they, are, uh, they are with that consuming fire that we, we're going to talk about in more in just a few minutes. It's a solemn and dreadful nature of God that a lot of people overlook. People only see the love of God. They don't realize that he has that he has wrath in his nature. Don't 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 ever get God against you. Don't ever don't ever get God against you. We talked about that this morning from the book of Isaiah. I you know God told Isaiah said he, you know he said he said you know what their end's going to be, and their end's going to come to naught. You know listen if you ever get God against you. It don't do any good to battle with God because your end's going to come to naught. And I know, I know, because when the Lord was convicting me about salvation, I, I fought with God. I said, God, I said, you don't want me. I said, you don't want me. I, and and then especially when God called me to preach, I argued with God. I did. I argued with God. But what did it come to? It came to naught. You know, I'm preaching. And it didn't do me any good to argue with God. There's nothing, you know, I, I thought I didn't want to preach. And Rhonda will tell you every time she talks about it, she'll say she didn't plan on marrying a preacher. And uh, But the, the fact is, I didn't want to preach, and I fought with God over it. And I fought with God to the point of where I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't think, I couldn't do anything. And when, and, but when I surrendered my life to serve the Lord, then all those things came back, as you can see. All those things came back. My eating came back. My sleeping came back. All those things came back. My mind that I thought I was losing came back. And certainly, uh, when we talk about God being a consuming fire, then we know that God will uh, and 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 I'm, I'm gonna say this: He will send all those who don't know Him in salvation to hell. We got we got a generation of of religions religiosity today that teaches 
Forget about hell. Just forget about it. Forget about hell. The Mormons say forget about hell. The Jehovah's False Witnesses say forget about hell. Well, you've got Baptists today. Believe the same thing. God doesn't send anybody to hell. God is a God of love, and he won't send anybody to hell. I mean, that's uh, we've got we've got that going on today. When God first appeared to Moses, he appeared as a flaming fire. First time God ever appeared to Moses, he appeared as a flaming fire. The Bible teaches, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in, in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire but was not consumed. Oh, you tell you, what can God do with fire? What can God do with fire? Some people say, well, maybe I'll go to hell and God will burn me up and then I won't have. No, God can burn and, and never consume. He can burn and never consume, but he can also burn and consume. You know, and, and there's different ways that he does that. We're going to talk about that in just a little while. This made this place holy ground, place that Moses was there at, made it holy ground. And, uh, and, and he saw that. This, this made that place holy ground. We can be assured, uh, though the bush was not consumed, yet everything in the bush was consumed. Everything within that bush was consumed because that's where Moses saw, that's where Moses saw what he wanted to see. God, he says, told God says, 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 I want to see your face. God said, no, you can't see my face. But he said, you can see my hind cord and my hind part. And that's what Moses saw in that bush. The bush was not consumed, but everything in the bush was gone. Everything in the bush was gone. We're going to explain that in just a moment. Everything in the bush was gone. You know, we, um, we can, well, I said that, uh, God burns out the uncleanness and everything he touches. He burns out the uncleanness and everything he touches, uh, here. Um, we carry every day with us the mystery of the burning bush. We carry it every day with us. Know ye not. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That's that fire that dwells in you. That Spirit that dwells in you. That's that fire. You, 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 you carry the mystery of that burning bush every day. What, what does that Spirit do? That Spirit cleanses you. That, that fiery Spirit cleanses you. And I'm going to show you even further why that is true. That, that spirit, that, that spirit cleanses you, cleanses you every day. We, we, we call it, we call it a, a different name, but it's simply that's what it is. That's what it is. We call it progressive sanctification, but that what it is is God is in you, cleansing you, cleansing all of the filth and dirt out of you every day that, that you live. God is a consuming fire within each of us burning out the dross of sin, but our bodies are not destroyed. Our bodies are not destroyed. You know, God can gut you out and never destroy your body. God can take everything out of you. Everything you thought was, was right for your life, God can take that out. God can consume that and take that out of you. 
Everything that you thought was right, that you say, well, I'm going in the right direction. You know, I'm going in the right way. God can take all that out of you. Let me tell you, He can. He can cleanse you. And He can take all, all of those things out of you as a fire, our God can, as a fire, our God consumes on the altar, on the altar, the fire as a symbol of God's presence, always burning, always burning, never, never, the flame never goes out. It's always burning there. God put, God puts a burning in every one of us. It was Jeremiah who said, from above, he sent fire into my bones. He made me desolate and, and faint all the day. Lamentations 1 and verse 13. He said, Jeremiah said, every day from above, he sent fire into my bones. You know, when you get down and, and you, you decide, you decide, well, I'm going to have to, I don't want to do anything anymore. God sends that flaming fire down to you and he puts that desire in you to do what, what he, what he would have you to do. Another time Jeremiah says, then I said, I will make, I will not mention of him. I won't talk about him anymore, nor speak anymore in his name. Jeremiah got down. He got down low and then Jeremiah said, I, I'm not going to even speak of him anymore. You have to remember, God told Jeremiah, said, no one's going to listen to you. Jeremiah was a, was a, he was a crier. And I always call him Clyde Hancock. He was a crier, you know, and he, 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 he cried about everything. He, he wanted, he wanted, even though God had told him that no one's going to listen to him, he wanted people to listen to him. And he cried and, and Jeremiah said, Jeremiah said, uh, uh, then I said, I will, not make a mention of him and speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. I can't, I got to tell people who he is. I can't stop. You know, if God didn't have that burning fire in us, how many of us would just give up and stop? Why, we all would. We all would. We all would. Every one of us would. We would stop. You say, no, I'll never, I'll know you would if God didn't put that burning fire in you every day to do what you do. You know, you can, you, that when it comes your time to do what you need to do for the Lord, God has that burning fire there that gives you a desire to do what, what He would have you to do. And Jeremiah said, shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing. In other words, I was weary with being quiet, being still, that I could, and I could not stay or I could not keep my mouth shut. I had to keep going. I had to keep going. Jeremiah, I would say that Jeremiah probably was a type of prophet that gave up every day. But God kept that fire burning within him. God kept, and he does. He keeps it burning within you. And I tell you, I know this to be a fact. You know, I, I've even said here lately that it's time for me to give it up, but it, God keeps it right there. I, I know, I know there's times when, 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 uh, you have those, uh, brain waves that don't work right, but God, God keeps it right there. You know, He keeps it. He, uh, just like this coming Sunday, you know, I had it set up for Winston to speak this coming Sunday, but I, God's done give me that, uh, 
indication in myself that I'm going to preach Sunday. And, and so, uh, so that's, um, that's what we are, you know, got a great, I got a great excuse for not preaching Sunday. Oh, I just had eye surgery, eye surgery. You know, I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm going to have to ride that horse as long as I can ride it, that eye surgery horse. Just like people ride other horses just as long as they can ride them to get out of doing anything for the Lord. I can't do that because I'm this or that. You know, people said, I can't go to church, I have nothing to wear. Well, do you go around naked all day? Do you, do you go out naked? You, you got something to wear. Yeah, I, I can't go to church because uh, I ain't got nothing to drive. How do you get other places? How do you get around? You know, I've heard every excuse in the book for not coming to church. I've heard every excuse in the book for people staying out of church. Well, let me tell you, God keeps that fire in you that you're not going to quit. He's not going to let you quit. He's not going to let you quit. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He he was talking about the youth of his day. And I, I'll talk a lot about the youth of our day. But Charles Spurgeon was talking about the youth of his day. He says, we lose them. He said, don't forget, if you if you lose them, to as far as them doing uh, not serving the Lord anymore, he said, you also lose them to the church, and he says you lose them forever, and and he said because it, he was teaching it's impossible, it's impossible for you to just give it up and quit. You say, well, it's easy for me. I don't have to come to church if I don't want to. Well, uh, you don't have that fire in you. You don't have that fire in you that tells you, you know, you get mad at the preacher and you, you say, well, I, I got a reason to stay home. I'm mad at the preacher. Or I got a reason to stay home. I'm mad at somebody in the church. And, and just like Phil told me one time, he said, so and so go to your church. I said, he does. And they said, well, I wouldn't sit in heaven with him. I said, you probably won't. So I said, you don't, you might as well not worry about that anymore because you're probably not going to sit in heaven with him. And, you know, God puts that burning in your bones, you know, that you, that you keep going. I, I know what it's like. God is in us. A burning fire makes us very faint when it comes to the world and its pleasures. You know, that's what Jeremiah, that's what uh, Isaiah said. Isaiah said, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned. But, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Exodus says it, not Isaiah. But in, in any rate, you know, he said, this morning, I read, I read this morning where he said, uh, he said, uh, I just, uh, I was faint and I just felt like I couldn't go any further. Well, you know, God, God's got that fire that lights you up. The holy fire cannot suffer anything that is unclean. It cannot suffer anything that's unclean. It'll burn it up. It was Nadab and Abihu who were consumed by fire from heaven at the altar for laying unclean things on the altar. Things that are not supposed to be there. They just put anything on the altar. And what did God do? God consumed them with fire right beside the altar. 
that the fire came right straight out of the altar and consumed them. Just came right straight out and consumed them. The consuming fire. And if uh, the body, the holy of holies, was was such because of the holy fire. God's holy fire will consume all who approach without the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, you don't want you don't want to approach God. That's the reason the Bible says when you pray, pray in the name of Jesus. You don't want to approach God without that cleansing blood. You don't want to try to approach God. You don't want to try to serve God without that cleansing blood. Because you're not going to have anything in you. That's what Matthew 12 says. Turn right over with me if you would. In Matthew the 12th chapter. Read it to you. Matthew the 12th chapter. I don't think people ever see the, the, the solemnness of that 12th chapter of Matthew. 12th chapter of Matthew. He says, verse 43. 12th chapter of Matthew, verse 43. This is a good thing to think about sometimes. Care, this is a good thing to write on. Right here. You know, you, you say that'll preach. This'll preach. This'll also write. It sure will. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest, but he findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Thus goeth he out, taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto all though all this shall be unto this Wicked generation. Empty. Empty. Nothing there. Empty. Nothing there. Empty. Nothing there. Not a thing there. Oh, I, I got guts. I do. But I'm empty. I got a heart, but I'm empty. I, I got, I got a liver, but I'm empty. I'm emptied out. And certainly, uh, this is what he found. He could not find any fullness. He could, not, he could not find anything within him. You know why? Because he tried to self-reform himself. That's what happens to people who try to self-reform themselves. That's what happens to the legalist. That's why he'll serve the Lord for a while and quit. And then he'll start serving the Lord a while and then quit. He'll serve the Lord a while and then quit. You know, because there's nothing in there that keeps him going. Nothing in there that makes him want to do, uh, makes him want to do what he should be doing. There's no fire within there. That's one of the natures of God is, you know, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't approach God except through the blood of Jesus. Only way you can do it. You don't approach God in prayer except through the blood of Jesus. You don't approach God in in, in any request except through the blood of Jesus. Because God won't listen to anything else. God won't listen to an empty man. God won't listen to an empty man. He cried, he cried. Esau cried and cried and cried unto the Lord. He tried to repent, repent. Why did I do what I did? He tried to repent and God would not accept it. Why? Because Esau was an empty man. He was empty. He, had, he didn't have any... He didn't have any fire down his bosom. As a fire 
God empowers his own. What a, what a real power fire is. Fire has power. You look at it and, oh, I tell you, some lady, uh, they, that, uh, over in Australia, I was talking to her on the telephone the other day and she said that, uh, said, I couldn't believe it. She said, I couldn't believe it. She said, uh, I looked and said the fire started at, in my yard and she said, I looked again and she said, my house was gone. My house was gone. And what great power fire has. Fire, fire has power. And the fire that God puts in you every day that's in you has power. As a fire, as a fire, God empowers his own. What a real power that is. When, whenever fire is there, there's a feeling of power. Always a feeling of power. I saw one time a fertilized plant. And all of us know what fertilizer will do. I watched there was a fertilized plant right down the road from where I was raised. And it, it set on fire one day. And, and, and it, 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 it was, wasn't too much fire to start with. But when that fire got into that fertilizer, it didn't only fire, it started shooting, blasting stuff up in the air. I mean, just high up in the air as you could see. It was blasting stuff. The police came down, took everybody out of that hungry holler down there where I was raised. Took everybody out of there. Told everybody to get out of there because they, they, they were in danger. That thing, that thing started exploding. And I, I thought to myself, I never seen such power. Never seen such power in my life as a boy. I wasn't, I probably wasn't about 10 or 11 years old. But I never seen anything like that. I never seen anything like that blast and, and, and go off like that did. They had a section in there, had a section in there where they had dynamite. And, and, uh, that's why they was getting everybody out of there because they knew that. They knew they had a section in there where they, they would dynamite that. They, they had this loose fertilizer stacked up in there and, and they would stick that dynamite and that loose fertilizer and break it all up so they could bag it. That's what they did. And that dynamite started going off. I'm telling you, it was blowing. Building next to it, there was a building that sat about far from here. That building over there, it blew that building up. Blew it completely off of its foundation. Fire. I, I, I saw that. I watched that stuff as a, about a 10 year old boy. And, and we watched that stuff. We didn't, we didn't feel any harm. But we were in harm. We didn't feel any harm. You know, the, the lost man that don't have the fire of God in him, he doesn't feel any harm until he dies and goes to hell. That's when he's going to feel harm. Really, but our God is a consuming fire, the Bible says. Can a holy fire be within one and not be felt? No. I think not. No. If you've got that holy fire within you, you know it. You know it's there. You know it's there beckoning you every day to do what God would have you do. And and it burns. Uh, Isaiah said it's a burning in my bones. I mean, Jeremiah said it's a burning in my bones. Burning in my bones. He said, I had a burning in my bones. And he said, I couldn't be quiet. I couldn't. You say, well, I, I can't witness. You don't have that burning in your bones. You, you say, I can't pray. You don't have that burning in your bones. 
You you say, oh, I can't. I just can't come to church. You can You don't have that burning in your bones. You don't. You know. And and once you don't, you don't have that burning. You're not going to. That's what Spurgeon was preaching when he was preaching about the youth. He said, you, you've lost them. He said, you've lost them. He said, they're lost. He said, they're lost to the, to the Lord. He says, they're lost to the church. And he said, they're lost to all humanity. Because, because the fact is they're not saved. It's, it's so, so important. Look at Acts 2. Turn with over to Acts 2, if you would. The book of Acts, second chapter. And uh, begin in verse 1. Acts 2 and verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was true fully come, this was on the established church, our, our forefathers from where, from where we came. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they... Our forefathers, where we came from, they were all with one accord in one place. Oh, can we be like that today? Can we be like that today here? Let them all be in one accord. Do you come in here and say it and not agree with what we believe? Can you do that? If you can, then you're, you're, you're way lost. You're way lost because you can't do it. And suddenly, when they're all in one place, in one accord, all gathered together where they should be, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, as a fire. And it, it sat upon each of them. You know, these cloven tongues of fire came and set up on them and put a burning in them, put a burning in them. He, he, that, this is, this is the way he empowered the first church. He empowers every church like that. Every church that's ever been organized through the Lord Jesus Christ, one of his churches, he empowers that church. That's what I don't understand about some of these brethren who, who, uh, who's, nothing ever happens. I don't know how long I could go. I've gone a long time and stuff not happened, but, but just as soon as I get down to where I think that it's all over, boom, it just bombs out. That fire just bombs out. And you realize, you know, that you're exactly where God wants you to be. God does that. I'm not saying that God won't put you down sometimes because he will. God can put you down in a state that you think that you're going to die. But he can also pick you up. He can also light that flame in you and pick you up and you be thankful to God. You be telling everybody what God did for you, how God did for you. I was ready. I was ready to go down and God lifted me back up. That's what God did to the first church. When he empowered the first church, he empowered them with cloven tongues of fire that came and set on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Not unknown tongues. I want you to understand that as this, uh, these, uh, um, 
Some of these people talk about the unknown tongue. That's, these were not unknown tongues. These tongues were known to some of the people that was in that area. There were probably five or six different uh, kinds of people in that area, spoke five or six different languages, and these people could speak, could, they could prophesy and, and, and speak in tongues in a language that these people understood. It would be just like me today, you know, if, if all of a sudden I started speaking, uh, of, of Chinese. Lord help me. Well, he would have to. Because I, I get, they, they have that guy over there, well, they call him Chung or Sing or something like that. I have a problem with that one. You know. I, I, Brother Kendall and I went to a graduation. They, the fellow's name on there was Dong. We, that's right. Stephanie graduated with him from high school. And me and Brother Kendall, Deborah, sitting with us. And Brother Kendall, Brother Kendall punched Deborah, punched, Deborah punched Brother Kendall and said, don't y'all laugh. Don't y'all laugh. And we did. We started dying laughing. Well, you know, I don't understand that language. I don't understand language, Winston. You preach to Gala. You speak to Gala. I'm sure he does. I don't understand that. Boy, it would be, it'd be, it'd be amazing if I stood up here and began to just preach. In a foreign language. I, I know two languages. I know Kentuckian and I know Georgian. And sometimes I do things that some people don't do. I saw Spurgeon did it here a while back. I was reading him. I speak them sometimes the same sentence. But that's the only other language I know is Kentuckian. And I know a little Georgian. But let me tell you, folks, it'd be amazing. That's what happened to these people. They just began to speak in a language that people around them understood, that that knew that language and spoke in that language. That was the tongues that was referred to. It was cloven tongues like as fire, which caused them to know that God was present. Look at Isaiah 6, if you would, for just a moment. It'll be the last place you'll have to turn. Isaiah, the sixth chapter. I want to show you something here. Isaiah, the sixth chapter, in the sixth verse, he says, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal on his, in his hand, which he had taken with the tongue from the altar. He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away. And thy sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. When that seraphim came with that tongue and that coal of fire, touched his lips with it, you'll say, Did it burn? No, it didn't burn. It's a fire, but it didn't consume. It didn't burn. But Isaiah knew right then what God wanted him to do. Isaiah knew he was fit to do what God would have him do. He said, here I am, send me. 
And he said, Go and tell these people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. He says, Go and talk to them. He said, Go, go preach to them. He said, They're not going to understand what you're saying. Just go preach to them. Now, why would that be? Why, why would God send Ezekiel out in the graveyard and preach? Graveyard of bones and preach. Did Ezekiel, uh, did Ezekiel argue with God over that? No. Ezekiel did exactly what God would have him do because God put that fire in his bones. He went out there and he preached to those bones. What did God do to those bones? He put the fire in them. And they came alive. Those bones came alive. Let me tell you, the, the, the words of this Bible are fiery words. They're fiery words. I know this Bible's referred to as a sword, but it's also referred to as a fire too in the scriptures. He puts those fiery words in them. Let me say this before I close. The holy fire is the eternal enemy of the chilling, freezing breath of unbelief. You know, if, if you don't believe that today God can use you, well, let me tell you, that fire is the enemy of your chilling, freezing part. The fire was the enemy at the church of Laodicea, that church that, that was neither hot nor cold. Let me tell you, in order for that church to get back where it should be, it had to get hot. It had to get hot, and God had the fire to get it hot with. Now, I don't know. I don't know. History doesn't tell us what happened to the Laodicean church. But there's one thing for sure. God put, could have put that flame back in them, and he could have made them be what, what he would want them to be. <clears throat> Let me ask each of you today, have you this fire burning within you and are you perfectly ha- or are you perfectly happy with the coldness concerning the Lord's work? Are you happy with that? Are you happy with the way you are? You shouldn't be. Shouldn't be nobody in here happy with the way they are. When it comes to serving the Lord, you shouldn't be happy where you are. I'm not happy where I am. I, I feel sometimes like I'm not accomplishing a thing. I feel like sometimes, what's the use? What's the use, you know? And then I look up, and Billy Ray's daughter's coming down that aisle. I say, what's the use? Let me tell you, God's touched that boy. He's touched him. Oh, that God would touch all of us like that. God would touch all of us. All right, let's form a circle. Pray.